getting into this morning's message, there's this prominent conversation that's been happening over the past couple of weeks. It kind of comes and finds us ever so often. And it's the predominant conversation around pretty much every cup of coffee that's had, um, every start or end of a business meeting, um, every braai, um, a lot of dinners across South Africa, um, every social setting pretty much. Um, and it, it's, just this, it's just this question, are you staying or are you going? You know what I'm talking about? So are you in or are you out? Like, are you guys going to stay or are you going to go? And it seems to be a conversation that, 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 that dominates um, culturally, especially, like I say, over the last couple of weeks. Why? Because of the news over the past couple of weeks. Um, the, the, the rapes, the, the, the murders, the, the violence, um, the, the, the political unrest, all, all the sort of stuff that we've just seen over the last while. And, and I think that, that this past week, um, this last Sunday, Vanna did such a good job of addressing it. If you haven't listened to that message, I want to encourage you, please go and listen to it. Because essentially, the point that Vanna brought across was we don't have a man problem, we have a sin problem. Isn't that the truth? We have men with problems, we have women with problems, but we don't have a man problem, we have a sin problem. And that as the body of Christ, we should live by faith. We should be known by love and we should be a voice of hope in our community. And I believe that these words are so true for you and for me. But for some of us, by the time that message dropped, <laughs> we'd already opted out. We'd already made up our decisions. Man, I'm just, I'm getting my paperwork ready and I'm out. You know, there is no future for my family in this country. We're gone. We're out of here. And, and here's the deal for me is when it comes to this question, for me, this question hits a little bit too close because I feel like this question lands a bit too close to some other questions. And it's this, when it comes to my spouse, am I in or am I out? Am I staying or am I going? When it comes to my kids, am I staying or am I going? When it comes to my work situation, am I staying or am I going? When it comes to my, my, my social settings, my, my friends, people that I've been around forever, am I staying or am I going? We can even take it a step further and, and, and ask this, when it comes to God, Am I staying or am I going? <laughs> and you might be thinking, Ramon, isn't that a bit of a stretch from where we started? Really? Is it, is it that much of a stretch? Let me ask you this. What are, what are our disappointments? What are our disappointments? So we can talk about our disappointments with regards to government. We can talk about our disappointments with regards to, to what we see around us culturally and socially. But what are our disappointments when it comes to our spouse? What are our disappointments when it comes to our kids? What are our disappointments when it comes to our workplace, our friends? What are our disappointments when it comes to God? All of a sudden, those questions don't seem to be too far apart. 
Let's have a look at the life of Peter. Peter kind of found himself in a similar space. So, so we know that Peter was one of the followers of Jesus, and uh, Jesus is uh, Jesus is crucified. He is buried. He's resurrected, and then he ascends to heaven. and And then we have his his followers, his disciples. They essentially we see the the first church ever starting to grow the first generation church and um and peter was one of the leaders within within this group of followers within this group of believers and uh where we kind of jump into the story at the time there was famine in the country there was there was there was famine and uh the church peter the and the rest of the church they they all jumped in as first responders they kind of put up their hands and said hey there's a need let's jump in let's get involved and let's help and the church gets involved and 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 these followers of Jesus come and they start assisting within this incredible need and the Sanhedrin, which was like the, the religious leaders of the day, they don't like this. They don't like the fact that these Jesus followers, that this new little cult that started is getting involved and getting stuck in and that they are actually coming in and making a difference in the setting. And, and the king at the time was a man by the name of Herod. And, and like Herod's political stance was very fragile. He wasn't in a very good space politically. So he reckons in order to get better footing politically, if he finds favor with the Sanhedrin, he'll win a whole group of people. So, so Herod heads out and, and he ends up executing James, the brother of John, and at the same time arrests Peter thinks this is great. I've got two leaders of the church. I've killed one and I've arrested the other. And the, the idea was to put Peter on trial and then to, to execute Peter. And where we kind of click into the story here in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter's imprisoned and Peter's sitting in prison. And, and, and here's what it says. It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So Peter's in prison and the church gathered together and they start praying for Peter. And we'll see later on in the story, they actually gathered in someone's house and, and, and it says that they earnestly started praying for Peter. It carries on in verse six, it says, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate Suddenly, there was a bright light in, uh, in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to wake him up. I don't think like he drilled him. I think it was just like a tap. That's just in my imagination. I don't like getting woken up with a club. A nudge is okay. So I think God's a God of grace. I think he just like nudged him, just like, dude, wake up. Right, that's just Ramon. Take it, leave it. All right, I've lost my space. Look what you've done. Right. Um, and he says to him, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. When the, uh, then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, followed the angel, but all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. 
So here, Peter's woken up by this angel, like the chains fall off his wrists. He's told to get, he's putting his clothes on, he's putting his shoes on, he's walking out of prison. And all along, he thinks he's dreaming. He doesn't think that the reality that he's living is the reality that he's living because when he went to bed, his reality was very different. And isn't it so true, folks, that in our lives, we resign ourselves to our current reality. So often, we just resign ourselves to our reality. We look at what's happening around us and and, and we pretty much just go, this is it, man. This is as good as it's going to get. And if ever something starts to shift and and God starts to work on our behalf, we kind of shrug it off as too good to be true. We shrug it off as it's just a dream. And we struggle to believe that it could be any different to what we've experienced up until this point. We think to ourselves, man, I've been imprisoned by this situation for far too long. I've been imprisoned by this thinking or, 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 or this, this scenario at work or this family situation or, or whatever it may be. I've, just, I've been stuck in this space for so long that this is my reality. When all along, God is actually trying to work on our behalf. And what we need to do is line up our reality with His. It carries on. Acts chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this happened for them all by itself. So they passed through uh, and started walking down the street. Then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel to save me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do with me. When he realized this, He went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked on the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. So here they are and they earnestly praying for Peter. I'm not sure what they were praying for because when Peter rocks up and this girl Rhoda says to them, guys, Peter's actually at the gate. They're like, this isn't possible. It must be his angel. What does that tell us? They thought he was dead. They didn't even believe he was alive anymore. Carries on and it says, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Imagine that. He's standing at the gate and he's just knocking. He's like, it's me. And she freaks out. She runs off. He's like, it's still just me. Peter continues knocking. 
When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned to them to to quieten down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Then he said, tell James and the other brothers what happened. And then he went on to another place. What I find amazing about this story is that God leads him through the prison gates and nothing stopped these prison gates from opening. Nothing stopped the gates from opening. I mean, here's Peter and, and, and Peter's in his own disbelief. He's like, this is an incredible dream. Imagine this could be real. And not even Peter's disbelief in the moment could stop the prison gates from opening. Not even, not even the, the, the unbelief of the, of the believers who were praying for him and, and their lack of expectation, not even that could keep the prison gates from opening. And, and, and as I say that, the thought that comes to mind is this, that our doubts and lack of expectation cannot change who God is. Our own doubts and lack of expectation cannot change who God is. But our experience of God can be hindered by our doubts and our expectation. Our experience of Him, our experience of His goodness, our experience of, of, of His greatness, our experience of, of who He is in His personage, our experience of, of His joy, of His peace, alive and available for our lives, all these things can be hindered because of our doubt and lack of expectation. See, what I find amazing is that the prison gate was no match for God. No match whatsoever, they walked right through. If the prison gates were no match for God, then why did Peter, why was Peter not able to get through a simple house gate? God had done the miraculous. God had done the big thing. And here Peter's standing in front of a simple house gate and he cannot get through. And I had to stop and just ask myself, why? Why couldn't he? And here's what I remembered. One of my Bible school lecturers always used to say, he used to say, Ramon, God can do it without you, but he doesn't want to do it without you. He can but he doesn't want to. You see, we serve a God who invites us into his story. We, we, we serve a God who invites us into, not just into his story, but to come and play an active role in his story. Our lives aren't just on autopilot and come what may, whatever will be, will be. Let's see what happens. I'll wake up this morning, kind of just hit autopilot, screensavers on, and whatever happens, happens. That's not the life that God has in store for you and for me. No, he says, come, get stuck in. Come play an active role in the story. You see, sometimes we need to step out with our expectation and open the little gate believing that God is going to open the big gate. Does that land this morning? 
Because that's who God is, folks. That's who God is. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. According to his great power at work within us. That's our God. That's our God. He's not, he's not this guy who is subject to whatever politicians decide. He's not this guy who, who, who is subject to our circumstances. No, our circumstances are subject to him. But do we believe that? Do we have an expectation that we serve an almighty God? Do we have an expectation that God is fighting on our behalf? You see, my expectation won't change who God is, but my expectation will change my experience of who God is. When we talk about expectation, what do we, what do we mean? What are we talking about? Expectation is a personal belief about the future that prepares us for action. It is a personal belief about the future that prepares us for action. If you hear very little this morning and you just hear this one thing, please hear this. That great expectations lead to great experiences. Great expectations lead to great experiences. I wonder, what are you expecting? There are psychological studies that have shown that what we expect is what we'll experience. Proven science, the whole trip. What we expect is what we'll experience. Uh, you may have heard of something called confirmation bias. It, what it means is confirmation bias is that I believe something. So whatever I come into contact with, I look at it through the filter of my belief. I look at it and I, I see, ah, see, it confirms my belief. Someone else will believe something completely different. They'll look at the same thing and they'll go, ah, told you. Confirms what I believe. It's a confirmation bias. What we expect is what we'll experience. Let's bring that back to what we've been experiencing over the last couple of weeks, what we've seen in the news, what we've read. So you're driving down the road or you're riding down the road and you, you get to one of these, these um, lampposts and, and there's a signboard on the lamppost with, a, with, a, um, with a, a newspaper heading. And it says, corrupt politician arrested. That's all the, 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 the sign says, corrupt politician arrested. Now, how we process that will depend on, on, our, on our bias, won't it? It'll confirm our belief, won't it? I wonder where we fall in the spectrum. You drive past the sign, you see corrupt politician arrested. We either think, see, told you, all politicians are corrupt. Confirms it. They're, I mean, it's in black and white. Politician arrested for corruption. I'm out. Thanks. That's it. Packing the family up. We're gone. Same signboard. Corrupt politician arrested. Drive past. Look at the sign. You say, that's it. 
Told you. Corrupt politicians won't get away. What's your expectation? What's your bias? Because what you expect is what you'll experience. You see, even when the praying posse in John Mark's mom's home was sitting praying, while they're praying, even Peter's knocking at the door. I mean, they've got physical evidence. And even in the face of physical evidence, they still didn't believe. Maybe it's his angel. How often, folks, in our own lives, don't we have all sorts of evidence of how God is working, how God is moving, how God is changing and turning the tide, whether it's in our nation or in our marriage or in our relationship with our kids or in our work situation. And all this evidence comes along, but because of our confirmation bias, because of the, the, the belief system, the expectation that we've allowed ourselves to slip into, we are absolutely blind to what God is doing. Why? Because we're not expecting Him to come through. We're not expecting for the great God to be great in that moment. There was a video I wanted to show you this morning and it didn't quite work out. How many of you watched the TV series Friends? Don't raise your hands because that might be a sign of unholiness. I don't know. Um, but the, the theme song to Friends, if you've ever watched it, it's a song by the, by the Rembrandts called um, I'll Be There For You. Do yourself a favor. This week, hop onto YouTube and type in Friends theme song in a minor chord. Friends theme song in a minor chord. To give it away, I'll Be There For You was written in a major chord. And it's this upbeat song that leaves you skipping down the road, okay? Leaves you all happy and gooey inside. This guy took the song and did it in a minor chord. And by the time you hit the chorus, you want to slit your wrists. What changed? Instead of starting in a positive place, it started in a negative place. And the result stems from the birth. It stems from the original expectation. What's our expectation? So the question for us today, should we immigrate? Yes. We should immigrate. See, the, what immigrate means is this, to leave one's own country in order to settle permanently in another. Here's what I want to challenge you with. I believe that we need to immigrate when it comes to our thinking. I believe that we need to immigrate when it comes to our belief. I believe that we should immigrate when it comes to our expectation. We need to leave our own way of thinking and settle permanently in the mind of Christ. Paul, speaking to the church in Philippi, they were facing some stuff. And in Philippians 2 verse 5, he said this, he said, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? Take on the mind of Christ. 
Don't be satisfied with thinking the way that you think. No. Start to change your thinking. We know Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means taking on the mind of Christ to allow God to do a a deep work in the way that we think and for us to really start thinking along the lines of the way that we saw Christ think. And we might just start acting the way that Christ behaved. So what does this thinking look like? Kai, you got it for us there. Awesome, let's pop it up there. Philippians 4 verse 8 through 9. It says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thought, your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing and catch this part. Then the God of peace will be with you. You want peace in your home? You want peace in your life? You want peace in your workplace? You want peace around that briar fire where everyone's trying to figure out if they should go or stay or what they want to do? You want peace in your life? Start taking on the mind of Christ. As the worship team comes up, I wonder, are you staying or are you going? Are you staying in your current way of thinking? Which which unfortunately, as we know, leads to our current way of behaving? Or is it, is it time for us to, to really become purposeful, especially when we are surrounded by so much negativity, by so much um, conversation that just goes in a way that, that, that confirms to everyone who's thinking along the lines of, this thing's going apart. This country's going to hell in a handbasket. It's time for us to get the hell out of South Africa. I agree. It's time for us to get the hell out of South Africa. And the only way that we get the hell out of South Africa is to get Jesus back in to South Africa. But it all starts with an expectation. What's your expectation? See, I want to repeat this. Our expectation won't change who God is. But our expectation will change the way that we experience God. I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but, but, but I want God alive and active in every area of my life. So in order for that to happen, I need to expect Him to be alive and vibrant and thriving in every area of my life because that opens the door for Him to be able to be alive and active in my life. I have a challenge for you this week. I have a challenge for me 
this week. They say it takes 21 days to break a habit. 21 days. So I want to challenge you, as I'm challenging myself, to take the next 21 days. Take this Philippians 4. Pop it up there again for us, Kai. Thank you, sir. For us to take Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9. And for us to challenge our families, for us to challenge our homes, and go, family, you may have to speak to yourself and say, myself, I'm challenging you that for the next 21 days, we are going to fix our minds on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is admirable. We are going to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You may say, Roman, how do we know that it's actually happening? Well, watch the conversations in your home. What are you saying? What are you talking about? You see, because when we really start thinking about these things, when we really start allowing God to renew our minds, to take our old stinking thinking and allow God to come and really give us that mind of Christ, then what we say will be true. What we say will be honorable. What we say will be right. What we say will be pure. What we say will be lovely. What we say will be admirable. What we say will be excellent. What we say will be worthy of praise. 21 days. And here's what I believe with all my heart. That before those 21 days are over, something's going to change in your home. Something's going to change in your life. Because you see, at the end of that, God said that, that as we put these things into practice, the God of peace will be with you. That inner turmoil that you may be facing right now, whether it's regarding the government or your family or your friends or your work or whatever it may be, your kids, that inner turmoil that you're facing right now, the God of peace will be with you. Expect that turmoil to leave and expect His peace to become a common feeling within your own life. Expect that peace to settle on your home that when people walk into your home, they'll go, there is something drastically different about this house. There's something drastically different when I walked into this house. Like, it's so peaceful. What's going on here? And God will start to open the door for you to just say, man, you know, we just, we just chose to change the way we think. We just chose to change the way we think, the way we speak, the way we deal with each other, the way we treat each other. That's all you're sensing is just the peace of God in this home. He won't just change your life. He won't just change your home. He'll change your neighborhood. He'll change your place of work. may even just change the bank teller when you're not using the app. 
Sorry, I thought it was funny. But it's true. So where are we at? 21 days. It's my challenge to you. It's my challenge to me. It's really what I've sensed when I was prepping this, what God was challenging us to do. So I'm challenging Bonnie that we are going to have this on Facebook this afternoon for any of you who who wanted to know exactly what the challenge is. We're going to pop it up. I'm going to sit with her now. We're going to draw it up. I really want to challenge you. Take the next 21 days and just take take Philippians 4 verse 8 to 9. And as a family, hold each other accountable. Because you see, a challenge is one thing. Accountability is a different story. Hold each other accountable. This is what we're going to do. And watch God work in your family and in your lives. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the privilege that we've had to just come and spend time around your word, Lord, and and just really allow your word to come and challenge us, Lord. Father God, I thank you that we won't leave this word in our seats, Lord, or in this building, Lord, or on a note in our phones somewhere, Lord. But Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we'll take the truth of what you've challenged us with here today, Lord. Lord, and that, that just starting with ourselves and starting with our families, Lord. Lord, that we will allow you to come and just fix our thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, that we will start thinking about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And Lord, that you are true to your word. And as we are expectant, Lord, that you come and meet that expectation with your peace. That your peace will rest on our lives. That your peace will rest on our homes. And that your peace will overflow into every other aspect of our families, of our friends, of our work situations, of our communities, Lord. Lord, and that the catalyst for change in this nation we know will never come from a political movement. But Lord, that the only true and lasting change is Jesus Christ alone. Lord, and that you'll use us as those catalysts in our communities. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.